uh, looking at an assortment of psalms this semester called the Psalms of Ascent. And the Psalms of Ascent uh, are Psalms 120 to 134. And you might know that the Psalms were um, poems and songs for God's people in the Old Testament. And the Psalms, you might know, is the the selection of like psalms and, and songs and poems that's right in the middle of your Bible. And the Psalms of Ascent were the psalms and the songs that God's people would actually sing on their journey of faith. They would gather together, God's people in the Old Testament, and they would have a destination. They would get on a road together, and they would go to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was actually the, the in terms like topography-wise, topography it was actually the, the highest city in Palestine in terms of like elevation. So when they would go on this journey together and sing these songs, they would ascend and they would go up Psalms of ascent. And that's what we're going to be looking at um, this semester. I would imagine you did a fair amount of traveling over the holidays. And I bet you have like a go-to playlist or go-to musical artist or a record that you have in mind. Because songs for road trips are really, really important. They really, really matter. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this because a, a good song can take a boring drive to turn to absolute magic in a matter of seconds. When a, a nostalgic song comes on from your childhood or a song that you have a memory with a friend, a boring drive can become extremely fun because a song comes on. Not being able to find good music for the road is one of the worst experiences. It is. You just keep shuffling and shuffling and changing songs. You've gone to radio and playlists. You can't find anything. But songs that you want for a road trip, and you know this, are distinctly different from songs that you would want to listen to for like an errand, like a quick errand to the grocery store to get gas. They're songs that need to fit the occasion and the experience of a long journey. One of the primary ways that the Bible talks about the Christian life is this journey image, this long road trip of following Jesus in his ways for the span of our lives. And that's what we're going to see this semester in looking at these psalms. These psalms are the songs for the road of faith of following Jesus. And these songs actually will sustain us in our faith for the long haul, just like they did the Israelites. And Psalms, again, 120 to 134 were this kind of playlist for God's people. And Psalm 120 is the opening track. It's the opening track. And it's not a happy song. It's not a song for dinner parties or supper clubs. It's, it's a necessary song, though. And it's a good song. And it's a good song for a pilgrimage. And that's what we're going to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the uh, the text now and, and pray, and we're going to get into it and just walk through it briefly. This is God's word. He's spoken. He's not silent, friends. Um, even tonight, he has spoken to you and to me because he loves us, not to give us rules or an exam. He loves you and me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall I, what shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Mesesh, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long 
have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. We do ask that by your spirit, you would slow us down. Uh, My heart is restless and my mind is busy, and I bet I'm not alone in this crew of folks tonight. And so I do ask that you would slow us down, that we might be hearers of your word and doers of it as well in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so here, here's the, the game plan. What we're going to see with this psalm is that Psalm 120 is going to show us that the journey of following Jesus involves brutal honesty. Honesty in following Jesus is essential. It's essential on the road. I'm going to see this in two ways. Honesty about our trouble and honesty about our destination. Honesty about our trouble and honesty about our destination. So honesty about our trouble. Brutal honesty is is crucial and essential in the Christian life and the Christian way. You'll see this in verse 1 and 2 if you'll look there, if you have the text in front of you. The psalmist says, he begins... In my trouble, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, deceitful tongue all around him. The psalmist is singing in a state of trouble. And that's why he actually ends the psalm by essentially saying those two random locations that I mispronounced. He's he's essentially saying, too long have I found myself alone and isolated. Those locations if we were to get into the weeds of those uh, locations in um, in Old Testament geography, they were kind of isolated places. Too long am I have I experienced myself being alone and isolated. Eugene Peterson wrote a book about these psalms, and he the title of that book is this: "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." And I love that title, and and that's going to come up this semester a lot. And he says this about Psalm one twenty, Peterson. Uh, Psalm 120 is the song of a person sick with the lies and crippled with hate, a person doubled up in pain over what is going on in the world. So the Christian way is not a journey in which you act like nothing's wrong. If you signed up to follow Jesus, you need to know that God has not invited you to be something you're not. The psalmist finds himself surrounded by liars, people who hate him, and he is sick of acting like it's all good. So following Jesus means we embrace brutal honesty, the journey of faith. It's actually one where we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with others, and we're honest with God. Psalm 120 and all these psalms, y'all, have no time for sentimental spirituality. No time for it. Psalm 120 is gritty. Many of them are that we're going to be talking about this semester. Because they're getting at the reality that if we sign up for a life on the road with Jesus, honesty is essential. We have to get honest. Honest about the trouble that we're in. So I want to ask you, do you actually believe that you can be honest with God? Not theologically true, not like Sunday school answer true, like the answer to that question. Do you actually like feel that God is safe for you to be open and honest with him? Because many of us think, If I were to really tell God how angry I am right now, there's no way he would hear me. It's too intense. If I were to tell him how sick I am of my depression, he would just hear it as doubt or sin, and he would dismiss it. If I were to tell God how much I despise 
and how much I am annoyed by my family and friends over the holidays and how I don't even, I'm, part of me doesn't even want to go back to Wofford because of certain people on campus I don't want to make eye contact with. If I let him in on that, he won't hear me. He's not safe. Friends, God can handle anything you throw at him. He knows the inner workings of your heart anyway. You're not telling him anything that he doesn't already know, and he actually delights to hear you. He wants you to be honest. You can tell him about your boredom with the Bible. You can tell him about your boredom with spiritual disciplines and prayer. You can tell him about your unspoken doubts and unspeakable wounds and shame. A lot of us think that if you're honest in Christian community with others, you won't be heard. Instead, be rejected and judged and manipulated. And a lot of you guys have let me in on the fact that like something happened in your youth group where you let someone in on a secret and people gossiped. And it's probably a big deal that you're even taking RUF and the Christian, Christian faith seriously in college because of how Christians have treated you in high school. You've told me stories like this. You've been burned by Christians when you've gotten honest. I just want you to know like that's... Um, lamentable on a number of levels. It should not be that way. But I do want to say this. You don't have to have all of your answers and doubts and confusion and anger figured out before you set on the, like get on the road with Jesus. Life with Jesus requires honesty. It actually invites you to be honest. It's not where you escape the pain of the world and the pain of your heart and the trouble you find yourself in. It's a way to actually look at it in the face. That's the road with Jesus. So honesty about our trouble, but the road with Jesus, this long journey actually has a destination and it's a destination we have to get honest about too. Honesty about our trouble and the destination. In verse two, if you'll look there, the psalmist cries out to God. He's begging for deliverance. He's saying, deliver me, O Lord, deliver me. The psalmist is clear about what he wants, what he longs for. He longs for God to deliver him from his trouble. It's, again, important to know about some of the context of these psalms. In the Old Testament, God's people would get together and they would journey to Jerusalem when they would sing these psalms. And at the end of um, their, their destination was Jerusalem because the temple was there. And the temple's where you worship. And again, it's, it's the highest sort of city um, geographically located in Jerusalem, so they would ascend. And so it was sort of this metaphor for, look, we are going to ascend together as a communal people of God to reach our destination where God dwells, to be with him. On the road in the Christian way, there's one goal and destination. It's not an aimless destination. The route is not arbitrary. Rather, this 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 route of the journey with Jesus is purposeful. Every turn matters. It's a very focused road. The destination is, um, is singular, and that destination is Jesus Christ himself. He is our guide. He's the goal. He's the destination. He is our way. Peterson says it this way again. Listen to this. If you hear anything, hear him. I love this what he says, pilgrim 
It's another way of kind of getting at this journey on the road with Jesus idea of a pilgrimage. So Peterson says this, Pilgrim tells us that we're a people who spend our lives going someplace. We're not, the Christian life is not static, like we're, we have movement together. We're going to God and his path for getting there is the way, Jesus Christ. He gives us the directions. Remember what Jesus says. Peterson says this, I'm the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me, John 14. And then the letter of Hebrews, Peterson says, defines our program. We keep our eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we're in. So the Christian road has a singular destination, Jesus Christ. You have to stay focused. And in keeping our eyes and hearts fixed on Jesus, that necessarily means that you must take your eyes away from distractions. Following the Jesus way means you have to refuse to take harmful detours, no matter how attractive they seem. Saying yes to Jesus and his way means you have to say no to other ways. And I want to be clear about this. Saying no to the ways that grab our attention and capture our hearts will be painful, but it is actually worth it. Jesus actually did this. If you think about Jesus' life, he did this. He modeled this. He said yes to his Father's will always. And he said no to other ways of being a Messiah because here's the deal. Everybody had a plan for Jesus's life. Everybody had an agenda for Jesus, but Jesus was utterly focused on his father. Again, a long obedience in the same direction. That was Jesus, wasn't it? So y'all, may we find, um, Jesus to be our companion along the way. May we follow his lead this semester focused on him. Uh, Our savior, our friend, our companion, our goal, our king, he will carry us. We can't do it ourselves. We can't even do it. Christian community isn't enough. He has to drive. He is faithful for the long haul. And the good news is, friends, he's actually already won the race. And that is good news. Let me pray before we break up into groups. Lord, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You have ran this race and you have won it. You have said it is finished and that is good news. Give us the energy to follow you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so you have...